such a beautiful morning and so glad that we can be together. We're thankful for everyone who's volunteering with City Kids and helping make that happen. If we get a, a few more volunteers, we, we would be able to uh, expand uh, to our normal full capacity of three classes and uh, to the full service. So take that into consideration. And also we're looking for a few more volunteers for student ministry for middle school and high schoolers. And so uh, feel free to see Melinda about that. So thankful for us as a church family, what it means to be a spiritual community. Yeah? Anyone else feel that? This past week, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. A thing of community. Real community. Real relationships. I think we have a couple of birthdays this week. I know that Emily and Hannah had a shared birthday party um, yesterday, which was a lot of fun. Hannah's birthday is on the 22nd. Emily's birthday was last week. And this coming Sunday is Marie's birthday. Looking forward to that. Um, celebrating each other, celebrating life is a wonderful and a God-honoring thing. Yeah? God loves you. God loves you. It's real. It's true. It's who God is. It's what God does. The shout that was in their mouth that Shanna referred to is a shout of belief in a victorious God when they didn't see victory in their natural lives. And I, I have, uh, this coming week will be at uh, three months of pretty serious fatigue and pain. One of the things that is an uh, important, helpful lesson for me and my spiritual health and my mental health is making time to focus on who God is and what God has done. That shaping and shifting my perspective. I'm a, I'm a doer and it, it, it shapes my perspective and it helps me realize that who I am in that relationship with God is more important than what I do. The reality is that this world is not under your control. God allows in His love for us to make decisions. We make decisions, we make mistakes. And uh, there's consequences of some of our negative mistakes. We, we don't all make perfect mistakes throughout life. And God in His infinite and sovereign love has chosen to allow us to make decisions. If God healed every person here and now, it might take away free will. Because there just it'd be the evidence of, of Jesus' as Savior would be so overwhelming. Would anyone have a choice? Would anyone really have a choice? 
the consequence of sin, the result of sin, the, the curse of it in our earth is allowed for a short amount of time. One day Jesus will return and like we discussed, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is King above all kings, Lord above all lords. And at that point, there will be an end to death, disease, illness. There will be an end. There will be ultimate victory. God loves you. God loves you. God cares about you. God in His grace, in His sovereignty, chose to show you love by sending Jesus into this world. A predicted, miraculous birth. God who is pure, who is without defect, who is without fault. God whose love is pure, is a relational God extends an offer to humanity, a miraculous gift that that should we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we can be forgiven of our sin. Cleansed from it. Cleansed from guilt for it before a pure God. Where God through Jesus, no longer would look at us through a lens of our mistakes, but through the pure and powerful sacrifice of Jesus, seeing us as clean. That's a miracle. God extends an offer of a miracle of new spiritual life. This good news is available to you. Hebrews 2 says, how shall we overcome if we ignore so great a salvation? I want you to think for a moment about when you accepted Jesus as Savior. When you accepted this good news that I just described. Maybe someone was walking you through the truth, explaining the truth. Maybe you were reading about it. Maybe you were... When was that moment of personal interaction between you and God? And you realized that forgiveness was possible. Did you sense a a weight lifted from your shoulders? Like like almost a physical sensation... A spiritual event that occurred. A personal encounter with the living God. I've made serious mistakes in my life. And I remember that encounter with God. You know, these past couple years, as the number of things beyond our control mounted, I changed my morning habit to start with a moment of silence before God and then thanking God for my salvation. 
I'm thankful for your salvation. I'm thankful for salvation in general, but I mean for my salvation. And it has really affected me these last couple years to take time to go back to the beginning of my personal encounter with God. We're all unique beings. We all have unique encounters. I don't think anyone would necessarily have the the kind of encounter that I had. We, We might share some similarities, but it would be unique. Don't compare your encounter with anyone else's. But starting my morning thanking God for forgiving my sin, for giving me that miracle, miraculous spiritual new heart, opening my spiritual eyes to the fact that my identity, my value, my life purpose is anchored there. It's changed me. The fulfillment of faith is not when you see the answer to prayer. Oh, the answer to prayer is sweet, it's wonderful, it's good. The fulfillment of faith is in your relationship with God. So this is a starting point for our message today. Because God loves you. God loves you like that. We've had nine straight Sundays of first-timers in the room. This is the 10th, and this is the first Sunday we haven't seen somebody here for the very first time. I feel like I could start off with that introduction instead of what I planned. Because to my knowledge, everyone in this room is in some sort of relationship with Jesus. I want to bring us to that place first. So we're in this series, Love Speaks. Looking at this really transformative guidance that was given to early Jesus followers who who were betting their life. They were already starting to be persecuted for a belief in Jesus. They were betting their life on the truth I just discussed. And they were told to speak the truth in love. So we talked about how that includes the love speaks, love listens, love cares. Our hearts should be shaped by God. Love guides, love guides people to Jesus. Love encourages last week. And today we're going to be in a little bit of kind of a mini two-parter within this series. Love reconciles. Love reconciles. I want to go to the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4. We, we've talked multiple times, and if you've had to miss any of these messages, I would ask that you would get caught up because I think they could be very helpful, very transformative for you. I think this, is, this series has a lot to do with what's wrong in Baltimore. This series has a lot to do with what's wrong in the United States and what the solution is. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 is the hinge. It's the turning point in the letter. It's six, six chapters that the editors have broken the letter down into. And the beginning of verse 1 is the hinge. It's a turning point in the letter. The first half of the letter is really about the state of being a Jesus follower, what it means and how transformative it is. And then the beginning of uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it turns to the practical, to, to how we respond to it. 
So Paul says here, and he's under, he's under imprisonment by the Romans because of this faith in Jesus. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. Depending on your childhood, you may be able to quote some of that, but I want to bring us to verse 2 and verse 3 to unpack them because they're verses that don't have a straight one word for another word translation from Greek to English. And I just want to unpack them a little bit. Verse 2 could be translated like this. And again, this is all based on a transformative relationship with God through Jesus. With humility and If you're from New England, you don't pronounce the H. With humility and gentleness, I'm glad some of you are still listening. That's good. With humility and gentleness, I I see some disagreement. Okay, not everyone. Not everyone. It was a joke. Be patient with each other in love. You can be patient with my humor. In the sense of enduring possible difficulty. That's what the translation of the verse actually means, and it's talking about our relationships with each other in this room and in the fellowship of believers with humility and gentleness. Remember now we're talking about how we use our mouth. Be patient with each other in love, and that's that agape love word, in the sense of enduring possible difficulty and not with harshness or irritation. Verse 3. With intense motivation and effort, do your best to keep the unity between you. The unity of the Holy Spirit's peace and its strategic building each other up connection. It's the same words we, we were talking about last week. Relationships within a local church, within a group of, of Jesus' followers are intentional, strategic connections that should be focused on Jesus and always building each other up. We talked about that last week. So reconcile. Reconcile means to restore a relationship. Ephesians 3 would be simplified, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And this quote from Henry Ward Beecher, every man should keep a fair-sized cemetery in which to bury the faults of his friends. <laughs> How is this possible? We're human. We're going to bump into each other. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to anger each other. How is it possible to do these things described in verse 2 and verse 3? The genius of a lot of Jesus' teaching is that if you try to do it in your own strength without a personal encounter with the living God, it is impossible. But if you will draw close in a personal encounter with God and draw 
transformative love from it and spiritual strength from it, it becomes possible. Going back to the book I've quoted in this series, Redeeming How We Talk, our ability to speak with power and intention is one of God's richest gifts. Without words, how else would we resolve our conflict? God gave us words so that we would not have to turn to violence. The richness of language is God's way of giving us tools to restore our human relationships and also to be vulnerable with and honest with Him. Words are an essential part of our humanity and what it means to be made in the likeness of God. They enable us to not only avoid or resolve conflict, but also to bless God. Bless our neighbor, communicate our feelings, sing our praises, and shout our joy. God gives us words. Words are powerful. And we're here today because we're focused on Jesus, following Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. And if we're going to do that, we certainly can't avoid if Jesus' followers asked him how they should pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have wronged us. And I know that any time we start to talk about these issues, the pain or anger or resentment from past hurts may start to well up within you. And I want to say to you very clearly, God is not indifferent to your pain, your hurt, your anger, your resentment. God doesn't command us to forgive each other with a callousness to the pain and the hurt that happens. God doesn't want the pain and the hurt that ha- to happen. It's actually why we have this guidance, so that there can be hope for changes in behavior so that we can not hurt each other. It's not only harm reduction, it's also healing to the harm. Psalm 34, 18 says, God is close to the brokenhearted. So when you are hurt or injured, and you're feeling a, it's impossible to forgive someone else, it's helpful to know that God is close to you in your pain. But not only close to you, but Psalm 147, 3 says, God heals the brokenhearted. So it's essential for us, if we're going to talk about resolving interpersonal conflict or forgiving for us to know and believe that God sees it, God is aware of it better than anyone else. God cares about it. He's close to you when you're hurt and He brings healing. A part of the healing comes as we receive the good news, salvation, and then walk out its implication from it. There's a book on the book table for you that... There's a quote from, you notice a pull from a lot of different books. If I pull from a book, it doesn't mean that I agree with everything the author says, except for the Bible, or everything the author has done, but the book can still be helpful. Here's the quote. When you see what he did, you can forgive what they did. Forgiveness and resolving conflict in interpersonal relationships is very difficult if we're not ourselves personally coming back to I've been forgiven of my wrong 
What does that mean between me and God? Because when I'm transformed by being forgiven of my wrong, then I am changed. Then resolving interpersonal conflict, using my words to walk it out and to bring healing and forgiveness in relationships, suddenly becomes far more attainable. Has anyone experienced that? We, need to, we do need to understand that Jesus took forgiveness very, very seriously. Jesus, Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Like, Jesus didn't pull that punch. Forgiveness is really important. Going back to the story from Scripture that um, Shanna read about this morning, read from this morning, there's an important principle when it comes to reconciliation, and that is naming the hurt. If we want to do resolving conflict and forgiveness the way that Jesus taught, we need to understand that. One person who understood that was Desmond Tutu. The principles we see in truth and reconciliation, or take it from a Jesus follower should understand naming the hurt. And that's what was in that Old Testament story. That's what happened. The hurt does need to be named. We need to understand that Christian forgiveness is not just pretending it didn't happen. No, that's bogus. That's shallow, and it doesn't bring real healing. Real healing, naming the hurt, is important. This is how it hurt. This is what went wrong. Desmond Tutu said this, Forgiveness and reconciliation are not just ethereal, spiritual, or otherworldly activities. They have to do with the real world. They're real politics. Because in every real sense, without forgiveness, there is no future. My experience with violence in Baltimore City with incarcerated individuals is that a lot of times, the pain and trauma has led to revenge. And a lack of ability to resolve conflict, a lack of ability to process and communicate in a healthy way negative emotions, naming the hurt, walking out reconciliation, this is a part of our problem. And if we can't do it in here with each other, how are we going to be the light of the world? How are we going to be help in Baltimore City where if you talk with homicide detectives, and I have, and I do, many, many murders go back to this, revenge. So it's important. Now let's just get an understanding. If, bear with me. I think most of us in the room can handle me cranking through some content in these next 15 minutes. Sin, in this sense, because we, if we're going to understand naming the hurt it's, it's wrongdoing by a false step or failure to act contrary to the will of God. The more we learn about God, the more we learn what that is. The law of God. It's missing the mark. It's making that mistake. It's treating someone without respect of their value before God. And it's interesting that the same... The Jesus followers, they understood this. The same, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, God will be faithful to forgive us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us. That forgiveness word is the same word that Jesus used 
When he gave them the prayer, Matthew 6, 12, Father, forgive us as we forgive. This was a transformative principle in Jesus' followers. And that word forgive, let's talk about that a little bit. To choose to release feelings of resentment towards someone who has harmed you. It's an act of the will to choose to release. Release feelings of resentment towards someone who has harmed you. Another quote from the book on the table from John Bevere, love forgets wrongs so that there is hope for the future. So that connects to that Desmond Tutu quote, right? The hope for the future. There's so many people talking about what we need in the United States today, what Baltimore City needs, hope for the future. Well, hope for the future is something that people don't believe in if we only talk about it or only do it in terms of fantasy land. Cotton candy, if it's not real, this is how it becomes real. Another book that I recommend, Unpacking Forgiveness, and again, I don't agree with everything in the book, but it's very good to go a little bit deeper on this definition. Forgiveness, a commitment by the offended to pardon graciously the repentant from moral liability and to be reconciled to that person, although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. God calls us to receive forgiveness from Him, ourselves, for our mistakes. And then in turn, to have a relationship with God as who He is, it's a submitting to God, it's a realization there is a God and you are not that person. You'll see in this image, one way to think about forgiveness is the person who has harmed you is in prison, awaiting their punishment or as punishment for what they did to you. The forgiveness that God calls us to is really as though we are holding the key in our hand that is the right to see them punished. Now, people that I grew up with would tell you that forgiving people for really doing them dirty is a part of my life story because I have been wronged, seriously wronged. And I know what it is to hold on to the key, the right to see a person punish. And God is a God of justice. God does punish the unrepentant. So a part of the feeling mixed up is agreeing with God that wrong should be punished. But through Jesus, what I'm called to is let go of the key. Give over to God what I feel is my right to see them punished. To submit to the will of God. It's letting go of that key. Conversely, another illustration for when we choose to not forgive, it's resentment. It's like drinking poison hoping the other person will die. It's the effect. It's a dangerous effect. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, I think is so helpful. We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. Forgiving Jesus, becoming more like Jesus, 
They will know we are Jesus' followers by our love. If we are angry, full of resentment, that doesn't smell like Jesus, look like Jesus, sound like Jesus. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it's real. This is where whether or not you have been transformed by Jesus all of a sudden has power from the inside out. So let's, let's talk about this in nuts and bolts. And I have had a lot of reasons to apologize in my life. And I have not wanted to apologize at times in my life. I've been more focused on where the other person was wrong. Kind of want to sweep where I was wrong under the carpet in my life. Nobody else has ever felt that way, but I have. I have given some weak apologies in my life. And because I do personally take following Jesus seriously, I've had to go to the book and find out what an apology for a Jesus follower should look like. So let me simplify that Bible study for you. Here's what a Jesus follower's apology after a conversation with the person who was offended, where there's a naming the hurt involved and listening involved, here's what that apology should look like. This is what I did that was wrong. Fill in your blank. And I've been listening to you. I see the hurt, the anger. This is the harm it caused. It's very important. If reconciliation is going to be real, this is very important. This is what I did that was wrong. This is the harm that it caused. I am sorry. What does that mean? Well, for a Jesus follower, what it should mean is a realization that even if the other person is not a believer and a horrible person that has harmed you, because Jesus said, love your enemies, there should be a recognition in me that God does care about that person. And that God calls me to look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, and that that includes loving compassion and value and respect. Even if the other person is not showing any behaviors that are respectful, trust, respect worthy. You, you get what I'm saying. I'm sorry means I see that what I did should not have happened. And that person has value. And that God cares about their pain and their anger. I'm sorry. I make a commitment to never do it again. Now obviously this is based on your calling on God to help you. And that's why the word in the beginning of Ephesians 4 verse 2, 3 is fault. A weakness of character. A repeated mistake. But you are making a fresh commitment. A commitment that is real. That's not half-baked. That's not half-hearted but it's wholehearted. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to call on the grace of God, the help of God, to never do this again. Please forgive me. And if I'm really taking my Bible seriously, this question 
How can I make this right? We're going to talk about that a little bit more next Sunday. How can I make this right? All right, I'm almost out of time and I got a lot more good stuff. Nelson Mandela said, forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That's why it's such a powerful weapon. Jesus, Matthew 18, verse 15, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. No gossip, no social media, no passive aggressive, you know what. If the other person listens and confesses, you have won that person back. That's a powerful phrase. We'll talk more about it next week. What if it doesn't go well? Well, Jesus does provide guidance for us. If you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And again, remember the purpose here is not beating the other person up. The purpose here is restoration of relationship, reconciliation. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt tax collector. Again, remember Jesus called them to love their enemies. Jesus said, and this is so important for us to really understand how much a priority this is to Jesus. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. The number of, in particular, charismatic believers I've heard quote this, who were still holding bitterness in their hearts and not understanding why God hadn't answered their prayer, whew, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything, you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Those verses are set in this context of resolving interpersonal conflict, of honestly confessing where we've been wrong and of pursuing peace. So many problems in our world today, people call themselves Christian, don't really understand what Jesus taught. Professor Tom N.T. Wright said this, civil discourse isn't the answer to everything, but uncivil discourse isn't the answer to anything. Let me close with a few action points this morning. I thank you for hanging in there with me today. So what should we do? Well, obviously, we talked at great length today. Number one, receives God, receive God's forgiveness and respond to it. This message is going to be harmful to you if you don't start here. Because you don't have in your own strength the ability to do this. Receive God's forgiveness of you and respond to it. Number two, pray, asking God for help in this area. Let's do that right now. God, we need your help. Resolving interpersonal conflict forgiving those that have hurt us, confessing where we've been wrong, and using our mouth to walk out this kind of reconciliation. Lord, would you please help us right now to just sense your peace, sense your strength, sense in you your love for others and your love for us, that you know us better than anyone else, that you can bring us strength, that you can bring us miracle-level strength for this. I thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Pray and ask God for help. Number three, reflect on today's scriptures. As always, you'll find them on our, this week on our website on the post, cityharborchurch.com messages. 
reflect on the verses. Number four, ask God who you need to reconcile with. I find a lot of times when we're not engaging the Holy Spirit in these things, we just get bogged down because they feel impossible, but it's because we're creating our own list instead of starting with asking God the Holy Spirit for his list. See, the Holy Spirit's more gracious to you than often you are to yourself. Ask God who you need to reconcile with. Number five, prayerfully consider how this should be done. Sometimes matters are made worse when we charge into reconciliation without considering how it should be done. Lastly, number six, take one step in the direction of reconciliation. Take one step in the direction of reconciliation. I'm so thankful that in talking about this today, I know beyond a shadow of a fact that it's not new information to us. I know based on my own experience that you value this and that you put this into practice. I know it. I believe it. And I know that we are the light of the world and that we can bring this very real hope to Baltimore City and to our nation. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. It's so great to see you. You know how many things this week I did not do to try to muster as much strength as possible to be with you because I care about you more than anything else in this week, and I'm happy to be with you. Thank you for coming together. Great to see you today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.